Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. People, I can't say it enough on the podcast. We must come out from under these wolves and sheep clothing because today I got the hammer out. Yup, the church needs a big old fat whooping today. Amen. Because let let us v- revisit. Look, already I'm so amped, I can't even get it out fast enough. Let us revisit the conjugal topic of divorce and remarriage. Because at the end of the day, all the reasons why we say we must divorce this person Because as we will see through the scriptures, once again, God hates divorce. So say Malachi 2.16. So before I go off on a tear today, let us pray. We must pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, Hallowed be thy holy and righteous name, Father. Help us today. We repent of our sins. We turn away from this world. We turn away from unsound counsel. Father, show us the truth in your word today. You said... You said in Malachi 2.16, you hate divorce. And Father, your word is absolutely crystal clear. Like you say in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, that no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. 
And you said in Revelation 21, 8, that the sexual immoral will be thrown into the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And Father, you said in Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexual, immoral, and adulterous. And Father, let us not forget what you said over here in Ephesians 5, 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexual, immoral, or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Lord, you also said in Proverbs 6.32, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. And Father, you said in Colossians 3, 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is adultery. And Father, we are walking through the scriptures today because you said in Jude 1-7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Father, you said in Matthew twenty-five forty-one, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And Father, Last, but surely not least, you said in Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent from divorce. I repent from adulterous remarriages. Have mercy on us all, Father. May today's exhortation and walking through these scriptures bring you glory because your word is true. And every and every man and Every single divorce court is a liar. Father, I ask for wisdom, clarity, and soberness of my mind and spirit. May the Holy Spirit. 
spirit. Show me the deep things in your word. Enlighten my spiritual understanding. And Father, blessed be your holy and righteous name. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins and that he was buried. And on the third day, you rose Jesus out of the grave. Jesus is alive. He is resurrected. Glory be to God. And we look forward with eager expectation of his coming. And may we be found not wanting, but ready to receive our risen King, the promised Messiah. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Look, okay. We need to stop playing where these scriptures are concerned because whether we're talking about adultery or we're talking about fornication or we're talking about homosexuality, or we're talking about murders and abortions or lying and stealing and cutting up. All sin. Jesus does not authorize any of that. Not one single bit. Not because of your hysterics. Not because of all of this emotionalism where your sin is concerned. Well, Jesus forgave me for it. True. That means we must come out of it. Listen, it just stands the reason why everyone can agree that once the rapist comes to Christ, repents, and gets forgiven, the understanding is that he must stop raping little girls. So why is it When you tell a person who is in their second and third and fourth and fifth and so on remarriages that according to the word of God, whether you are a saint or a sinner, if you divorce and you remarry while your first, the first one, When your first covenant spouse is still alive, Jesus said, not I, not the man across the street, but the living God says, you commit adultery. And that's the bottom line. True, for whatever reason you felt you must leave this person, He abandoned you. She whipped on you. She stole all your money. They were drug addicts. They were alcoholics. Y'all just couldn't get along. They abused the kids. They were horrible with money. Can't keep a job. They're always hanging out. He loves his mama more than he loves me. We, We are always fighting about the bills. There's never any money. There's never no food in the house. He doesn't help me with these kids. I do all the work. 
He comes home from work, plops down on the couch. Don't help me with the kids. Don't cook. Don't clean. Don't do anything. He wants to be the boss of me. She always nags me. She always hanging out with her girlfriends. She never spends any time with me. Her family is always up and through our business. Her mama don't know how to mind her business. Her daddy thinks that she's still his little princess and I can't say nothing to Sheila without her daddy having something to say. So all of these reasons or you were a sinner before y'all got married and remarried, okay? Because this is your second marriages. And then once you found out about the teachings, what Jesus said, and then you went down to your Catholic priest and he absolved y'all of your sin. And he says, well, don't get divorced because then that compounds another issue. Stay in those remarriages, but stay true to the Lord. Folks, that is horrible sound counsel. Listen, let's let's just get to the teachings today because I'm going to try to stick to my notes because this topic keeps coming up. Because as long as you have sin rampant in this world, as long as you have the body of Christ going back and forth between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, you are going to have controversy about this topic. As long as we don't study to show ourselves approved and we keep marrying without prayer, without discernment, without vetting, Without just doing some basic groundwork and homework, we will continue to marry children of the devil. So, let's jump right into it because the topic on the floor is that God hates divorce and Jesus will never authorize sin. Listen. The topic of marriage, divorce, and remarriage has never been a popular topic. Never. Because John the baptizer was beheaded because of what he taught on this issue. All we got to do is look at Mark 6, right? Read that story because it was highly debated. It was, it was so debated that Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. John had his head put on a platter because he was speaking out that you cannot marry anybody who is divorced when their first spouse is still alive and Herod because he was so, how can I say this? He was so enthralled by Herodias' little daughter, okay, who was doing 
virtually a slut dance for him. And he said, ask for anything. I'll give you anything. And her mama, okay, who couldn't stand John calling her on the carpet, okay, because she was married to his brother, uh, Harris' brother. I believe his name was Philip. And she goes, I guess they got a divorce. And now she marries his brother, Herod. Herod. And so Herodias told her daughter, who was who just finished this slut dance for her husband, to say, well, I want John's head on a platter. And so that's what he did. And so the fact remained that this will always be a hot potato. But it don't even have to be. It doesn't. And the reason why I believe the Holy Spirit keeps wanting us to talk about this because adultery is sending people to hell left and right every single day. And so, like my second job over there on Facebook, aka The Lion's Den, we see this coming up time and time again. And you have people wanting to know once and for all, what is the true teaching on this? Because they heard one thing, they heard the pastor say this, but the church leader said that. I'm reading the scriptures and I'm interpreting it to mean this. What is is the sound teaching on it because my hand is raised. Oh, my hand is raised. Before Jesus enlightened me to the to the true teaching on this topic, I was a three-time divorced person. And each time I thought we were in the clear because of adultery after the marriage. And so we divorced <clears throat> and we moved on in second and for me, a third remarriage. And they all ended because of adultery. It wasn't until after I divorced husband number three that I found out, lo and behold, I was actually in adultery. I was actually committing adultery. Who knew? Because I was listening to the false preacher saying that you can get divorced because of adultery. Because Jesus says right here, except it be for sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Yes, the umbrella of it all includes your fornication, your adultery, your homosexuality, your bestiality, all of those sexual sins. But Jesus said, except it be for fornication. He did not say, except it be for adultery. Well, that's the same thing. No, it is not. 
<clears throat> that's like saying apples and oranges are the same thing just because they are fruits. No, an apple is different from an orange. Fornication, thank you, Holy Spirit. Fornication is different from adultery. One happens before you are married having sex, and one happens after you are married having sex with someone who is not your spouse. So it's a difference. Jesus said in Matthew 19:9, except it be for fornication. So what did he mean by that? He meant that while y'all two were engaged, not being married yet, but during the engagement process, someone cheated. And then after, after you all have gotten married, y'all married now, it comes out through concrete evidence that your wife or your husband cheated on you before y'all got married. And now that y'all are married, it came out. Because obviously you can't start off a marriage like that, right? Jesus said, except it be for fornication, if you divorce for any other reason and you remarry, you commit adultery. Okay, so... The highlights, because the fact remains that men who put away their wives of their youth for whatever reason are guilty of treachery, and this goes for the women too, because nothing dissolves a marriage but death. And these are the highlights. All remarriage, all of them. I don't care if you're happy now. Well, Bob makes me so happy. I deserve to be happy. Jesus wants me to be happy with Sheila because, see, Pam treated me like a dog, and all she did was cheat on me. But Sheila, oh, she loves me. All remarriage after divorce is adulterous. But what about this? And what about this reason? All remarriage after divorce is adulterous. So you mean to tell me I'm supposed to stay with crackhead Bob? All remarriage after divorce is adultery. But this man tried to kill me. Listen. I too have been in that situation. If you must, now obviously, okay, if somebody is trying to kill you and they serious, like literally, like in my case, points a gun to your head, Jesus, listen, okay, for your safety, you cannot be with this person. But guess what? The fact remains is that. If that is your first covenant spouse and you divorce him for that reason, as long as he is alive, you must remain unmarried. You must remain single. Well, he got remarried. So what? That's between him and Jesus. Okay. Now, all of these second and third and fourth remarriages, guess what, folks? 
God does not recognize them. But my wife's father is a pastor. He married us. <sighs> Pastors, they be doing the wrong thing. Okay. And we're going to get to that. So listen, a man who has remarried is by definition not a one-woman man and cannot serve in leadership roles in the church, including teaching others. Because you have, sad to say, you got these pastors and church leaders who are in their second and third and fourth remarriages up there in the pulpit. One year, oh, quote-unquote, First Lady Sheila, she's sitting on the front row. Year four, quote-unquote, First Lady Pam, she's sitting on the, on the front row. Like, Pastor, really? With all of that Illuminati, uh, Freemason, seminary schools, y'all never went over this teaching? Listen, marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. Listen, Hebrew 13, 4 is not planned when it comes to this. And for any pastor to counsel anyone on divorce and say that you can divorce that person. As a matter of fact, bring, bring Steve on down here. And I would do a wonderful second marriage for you all, even though I married you and Bob the first go round. But you, Kim, you are right. Bob should not have committed adultery. You have every right to be married now. No, no, no. Sorry, Pastor. You wrong. You are wrong. Listen. Everyone, okay, because this is the bottom line of all bottom lines when it comes to this teaching. Now, when it comes to everything, word of God, but for, for today, this is the bottom of all bottom lines, 2 Timothy 2.19. That says, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And that includes adulterous marriages. My marriage is not adulterous. Sheila, is Steve still alive? Yeah, but Kevin over here, oh, he, he is everything I've ever wanted is in a husband. Is your first husband still alive, ma'am? Yeah. Well, guess what? That marriage you are now in that you are so happy about is adulterous. No, it's not. Listen, Jesus is not with the back and the forth. I keep telling y'all because all we got to do is study his word to know his voice. He told us, thank you, Holy Spirit, in John chapter 10, that his sheep know him. They know his voice. They know what he sounds like. They know what he teaches. 
they know they know what he says not to do and and what to do and they follow him if you are not following jesus teachings well then you are serving another christ because it's not the jesus of john 10 i can assure you and listen my arm is going to fall off from being raised up to the ceiling. I get it. We thought that we were in the clear. We get that. But once, once you get the true teaching on it, a light bulb must go on. What you mean the light bulb is not going on? The reason why it's not going on is because you are not listening and you are not heeding and you don't want to hear nothing other than how happy you are. So you run to the Joel Osteens, you run to the Joyce Myers. You run to the Benny Hens and the Rick Warrens and the Bill Johnstons. You run to the Bishop T.D. Jakes. You run to your local pastor who tells you you are in the clear. And you are not in the clear. Listen, no adulterer because God's word is very easy to understand. And it is crystal clear that no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. And no further discussion is needed. Okay. Uh, let's, let's read it. Because see, that's the problem. Ain't nobody studying these scriptures. Ain't nobody reading them. They being cherry picked. They being taken out of context. They are being twisted into pretzels. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. Or do you not know that the unrighteous, <clears throat> that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. This is a question. Like, don't you know this? Because you should know this. Like, don't you know this? Because do not be deceived. Paul is telling us by the Holy Spirit, do not be deceived. Don't you know this? Like, like how he said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know these things? If you have called on the name of the Lord, then you must know what he be saying over here in his precious word. Otherwise, you will be led astray like we all were. Listen, the plank is out of my eye. So I get it. I really, really get it. But whose word stands forever is not mine. I can assure you it is not that pastors, okay? It is the living God in heaven. So do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. And you see how Paul makes the distinction between the fornicator and the adulterer. It is not the same thing. 
So he says, nor effeminate. Now again, an effeminate is a man born as a as a male. Got all the male parts, but he's very feminine. Like like very over the top girly if you will. He he likes to put on women clothing, hair and makeup and be overly exaggerated in the the femininity of it all. Okay, that is called an effeminate. They will not inherit the kingdom of God either, nor homosexuals. And that includes your lesbians and transgenders, all of them. They will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. That's that tongue. That slanderous assault tongue that cuts you to shreds just uh, is a mess, okay? Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But good news, verse 11, such were some of you. My hand is raised. I was a fornicator. I was an adulterer. I dibble and dabbled on the wild side where homosexuality is concerned. I stole. I was a greedy person. I, I drunk. I, this mouth of mine didn't know how to stop it. Okay? So listen, but such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. So listen, okay, because verse 12 says, you say, okay, I am allowed to do anything. Yeah, true. You could remarry. You could remarry 25 times if you want to, but not everything is good for you. The scripture goes on to say, don't, do you not see this? Okay. Yeah. I could sleep with every man or woman I want to, but is it good for me? I could sit back and watch porn till my eyeballs fall out and masturbate it till my hands fall off. But is it good for me? I could drink every bit of alcohol they have in the marketplace. But is it good for me? Because see, Paul is saying in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 6, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Amen. And you must not become a slave to adultery. Not if you have called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen. So let's get really, really into this divorce and remarriage. Because like I said, Jesus will never authorize sin. And pastors, I'm coming for you today. Because see, this makes no kind of sense. Listen, that is why Romans 16, 
verses 17 to 18 stands loud and clear in my brain. You want to know why? Because it talks about marking and avoiding. These teachers, they cause dissension. They, they go against the sound doctrines. They tickle your ears with smooth speeches and fine sounding words. That scripture is telling us they do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. Of course, these apostate pastors will never tell you about sin, okay? Because they don't want to offend you. They want to make sure you keep coming to their churches with that pocketbook. Because it says they serve their own bellies. They serve their own interests. They only want your money. Listen, they cannot, and I don't care how sweet and nice, how how charismatic, how prolific they sound. Oh, I know the pastor. I know his family, his kids. He been he been shepherding over us for thirty five years. What he say? Oh, I trust every word he say. But then you want to dispute what Jesus says because the pastor the pastor you know for 35 years has told you that it's okay to remarry and you go with that rather than what Jesus has to say well you know we we can't trust the the Bible like that anyway because of all the different translations y'all need to stop it with that excuse Okay, listen, pastors, y'all doing the wrong thing. Repent, repent ye therefore, because listen, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, is having a problem with studying to show thyself approved. Listen, in all honesty, the problem, okay, the problem where I see it is, is that <clears throat> no one seems to be fully studying the scriptures. Now, I know for me in times past, times past, was I always in the scriptures? No. You want to know why? Because I was in some sin, didn't even know I was in full-blown adultery in these second and third remarriages. I'm so focused on the problems of the day. Yeah, I, I would read. That's it, read. But I wasn't studying. Because if I was studying to show myself approved before God, I would have gotten that understanding about divorce and remarriage quick at husband number two. There would not have been no husband number three. As a matter of fact, I would have came to the Lord with husband number one. Amen. And therefore, ipso facto, there would never have been a divorce to begin with. Amen. And so we have a problem that no one seems to be fully studying the scriptures concerning this topic and how we can tell there's a problem because you have wolves 
in sheep's clothing, dispensing ill counsel, totally going against and in violation of the word of God on this topic, causing controversy. They are the ones that's putting people back on the road to hell. And that's why we stay in 2 Peter chapter 2 over here on this podcast, because we must understand and recognize what a false teacher and prophet looks like and how they get down. And 2 Peter chapter 2 tells us all about it. So now listen. The uneducated Christian, along with these wolves in sheep clothing, is turning from sound biblical doctrine by heaping upon themselves these apostate preachers and pastors who are tickling their ears, telling them it is okay to divorce for any reason. They are heeding to what man says and not what God says. And that's a huge problem for the body of Christ, folks. Listen, it don't even have to be controversial. It is only controversial because people want to enjoy and stay in their adulterous remarriages. And that's the bottom line. Just like, thank you, Holy Spirit, Just like with any other sin that people want to stay in, they will find it controversial when you tell them they must repent. They must repent, come out of that sin and turn back to God. Because let me assure you, there is no such thing as a weed smoking Christian. But God made it from the earth and we can smoke it because it came from the earth. Stop it. There is no such thing as a a, a drunk, a, a, a Christian drunk, drunkard. There is not. Just because someone slaps the word Christian on, on a sin doesn't legalize that sin now. Oh, absolutely not. And so, likewise, the problem is with these adulterous remarriages, I can't say it enough, but I will until we all come up in the edification and the rudiments of Jesus' teachings that if your first covenant spouse is still alive, when you remarry, Jesus says you commit adultery. And that's the facts, folks. For Whatever valid reason that you say, cool, if you decide to go ahead and get divorced, then you must remain unmarried. Fine. Listen, we can't have our sin cake and then eat it too. We can't say, well, I'm a divorce. Uh, I'm going to divorce my spouse knowing that God hates it. So you go against what God says and you divorce anyway. And then you want to turn around and disregard what Jesus has to say that if you do divorce for any other reason, 
and you remarry, you commit adultery, and you say poo-poo to that too, (laughs) and then you remarry anyway, then what else left for God to do with you? Because Hebrews 10 tells us all about that. If you willfully keep on sinning, okay, after coming to the knowledge of the truth, then your only expectation is of raging fire. Folks, God ain't playing with that lake of fire. He is not. And if you don't repent and come out, yes. So you mean tell me I must leave the second marriage? Yes. Yes, come out of these adulterous remarriages. Just like we would tell the homosexual, come out of that sin. Just like we would tell the murderer, come out of that sin. Just like we tell the jealous liar, come out of that sin. Just like we tell the person who is committing sorcery, come out of it. Yes, the answer to your question is yes, you must divorce that person, repent, come out of it. Otherwise, if you stay in it and you were to die in that adultery, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means you will go to hell as you await your final judgment. And the Bible tells us what the final judgment is in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Jesus talks about the great white throne judgment. Let's read it, okay? Because since nobody wants to read the scriptures, it says over here in verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And Jesus calls that the second death. Amen. So let's state the obvious. Because see, today we getting into these scriptures. Yeah, I ain't playing today because this this just needs to stop. It really does. It 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 just it just really needs to stop. So let's state the obvious. Let's state the obvious biblical scriptural truth. Marriage is for life. Exclamation point. It is for life. That is why before we marry anybody, we must do some vetting. We must do some praying. We must do some just uh, homework. Look at the red flags. Check out how that person handles money. Check out if they got any anger issues. If they got any mama and daddy issues. If they got any baggage coming from dysfunctional relationships. All of that you must take into account. Because we're going to read 1 Corinthians 7. How Paul says that... um. Yeah, you know what? It's probably best not to concern yourself about marriage. That way you can dedicate yourself to the Lord. But if you if you can't control yourselves because you don't want to burn with lust and, and, and passions, then fine, go on and get married. But be aware that 
because now you have to deal with earthly things because of a marriage your your whole focus cannot be on the lord you will be divided so the only way okay the only way for a marital covenant vow to be fulfilled is the death of one of the partners so no pastors and preachers and church leaders they should not be advising anyone to divorce you cannot yo for real i'm trying to get through these notes okay if you are in church leadership why would you advise anyone to commit a sin why why would you do that because you know that these people are what the uh, number one biggest tithers in your church and you don't want to risk losing that $5,000 monthly contribution because what else could there possibly be? So listen, no pastors and preachers and church leaders should not advise anyone to divorce for any reason, saint or sinner, for the law of marriage applies to all who participate in its covenant vow. If anything, okay, that pastor should be counseling them on reconciliation and forgiveness and walk them through the true teachings of Jesus and not through emotionalism and not through whatever valid quote-unquote reasons they feel they should get divorced. These apostate preachers and pastors and church leaders are indirect violation of the scriptures listen jesus gives us two exceptions already mentioned one one was being fornication which is sexual immorality that took place during the engagement and not adultery after the marriage. Because see, all we got to look at is Jesus' earthly parents. Because when Mary and Joseph were engaged, they wasn't even married yet. Because see, we we have to we have to keep in mind the context and the and the period in which Jesus was born under. He was born under the law as a Jewish man. And so once you become engaged, it was just like a marriage. And so that's why in the Gospels, we find Joseph was wanting to divorce Mary when they wasn't even married yet because she comes back from visiting her cousin, um, yeah, her cousin Elizabeth being pregnant. And the only way that we know how a woman gets pregnant is for her to have had some sex with a man until the angel came and talked to Joseph to explain to him how the Holy Spirit conceived that baby in her belly and that how she did not sleep with another man because um, Joseph loved Mary and he was going to put her away quietly, meaning that he was going to divorce her. So all we got to look at that story. So listen, Jesus gives us two exceptions. I already talked about that fornication. 
Okay. He didn't give us adultery as another one. And number two, when we're, he was saying over there in first Corinthians chapter seven, because he, Paul was giving us, giving us the instruction on marriage. He says that, and when an unbelieving spouse chooses to leave, because Jesus calls us to live in peace, because we're going to get to 1 Corinthians 7. Those were the two only exceptions. One, for fornication before the people got married. And number two, if the unbelieving spouse refuses to live with that believing spouse, then fine. Divorce, because God calls us to live in peace. But if that unbelieving spouse chooses to stay, then fine, work it out. Glory be to God. Don't leave your spouse. Don't divorce. But if you do, remember, you must remain single. As long as that first spouse is still alive, that means no dating, no calling yourself, well, well um, I have a boyfriend, no kissing, no having sex, because it's just like your husband living in the house with you. So what divorce court gave y'all a writing of divorcement? What did God say? What did Jesus say? Because in their eyes, oh, you still married to Bob. Because they can give two flips about what man's court has to say. Because God already said, let no man put asunder. Okay, because what he joined, thank you, Holy Spirit, what God has joined. What God has joined. What God has joined. Let no man... Let no man, no pastor, no no uneducated Christian, no divorce court, no mama, no daddy, no man put asunder. That means separate, divorce, cut off. Let no man do that. Why? Because God put these people together. He joined them in holy matrimony. Amen. And so for... If you divorce, because see, I want to break this topic down because I do these postings over there on Facebook and it's but so much that you can ply the people with because not everybody is going to read a three page dissertation on anything on no social media platform. So you Try to be brief with a complex topic and some get it and then some don't. So the Holy Spirit gave me this podcast that for anybody who wants in-depth, exhaustive teachings about any topic, I pray that the will of God be fulfilled in my life where this podcast is concerned because this is more teaching for me too. Amen. And so if they divorce for any other reason, God is clear. They must remain unmarried, single, 
or be reconciled back to their first covenant spouse. For if they remarry while that first covenant spouse is still alive, yeah, I sound like a broken record for a reason. Jesus says they commit adultery. God hates divorce. It was never his will from the beginning that the one flesh union be dissolved. Just because of the hardness of men's and women's heart, Moses gave the people a writing of divorcement. But that was never so from the beginning because Jesus tells us all about that in Matthew chapter 19. So time for some study because since nobody wants to actually pick up their Bibles, so here we go. For it is written, what therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Mark 10, 9. And it is written, but for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. Verse 11, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. First Corinthians 7, because this is the part. This is the part, the crucial part that these ill-advised pastors often leave out in their ungodly counsel because they sitting up over there telling people, yeah, go on and get divorced. But they fail to mention the part that, fine, if you get divorced, you have to remain single. They ain't, they can't be teaching that part because otherwise, how do they turn around and remarry someone whose first spouse is still alive? Amen. So God could now listen. Let's say your spouse does cheat on you, right? Like in my case, okay? I forgave the first indiscretion. Then the second one happened. And then you have all of this flirting and all this other mess going on because I was under the misinterpretation of the scriptures. I had enough. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. And so I left, right? But guess what? Adultery within the marriage is forgivable. You can actually pray and allow the Holy Spirit to heal broken hearts. It's doable, especially knowing that if you divorce, you must remain single. Because a lot of people, listen, we all grown on this podcast, right? People like to have sex and plenty of it. People want to have more kids. People really don't want to be sleeping around. So they figure, well, I'll get married. Right. And so when you divorce and you feel, well, I'm still young enough to find somebody else. Well, then guess what? If you remarry while your first spouse is alive, then you are in adultery. And that's the part, because listen, God commands us to forgive, okay? We can forgive anything, right? Now, he also calls us to live in peace. If it's a matter 
of life and death. Get up out of there. But keep in mind, still, as horrible as that person was, as dangerous as he or she is, as long as they still are alive and you remarry, you are in sin. But that's not fair. But that's the law of marriage. So listen, God commands us to forgive just as he has forgiven us. Where he says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. And once God forgives us of our sins, and that includes adultery due to divorce and remarry, we must come out of those adulterous remarriages. Listen, we don't get to stay in sin just because we have been forgiven. The opposite occurs. Once you repent, you ought to come out of that sin, no matter what that sin is. And these pastors are advocating and authorizing sin. Listen, for that pastor to advocate and counsel divorce is telling that person essentially that they must remain unmarried because that's the implication because God's word is going to stand. So if you are advising a person to divorce, well, you also are advising them that they must remain single too. Okay, because see, that's the full counsel of God. Amen. Why? Because they, because see, if they leave that part out about them remaining unmarried, or if they reconcile, but if they don't reconcile back to husband or wife number one, they are putting them in the line of hell's fire. Because we barely escape, and that's what we missing in the spiritual. We have barely escaped. Come on. Come over here. Come on. Let, let's go over to 2 Peter chapter 2. Because dealing with these false teachers, and in this case, dealing with them telling us, oh, it's okay to stay in sin after we had escaped from the hell's fire. Look over here. Verse 20. Verse, uh, verse 19. They Second Peter 2, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. This pastor, okay, is telling y'all, oh, you can divorce. Yeah, get your freedom, girl. Listen, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you, verse 20, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, listen, the Bible tells us they are worse off than before. You will be worse off than before if you divorce and remarry. That's sin. It don't matter what the sin is. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Because listen, 
you are worse off than before. Verse 21, it would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Verse 22, they prove. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and another says a wash pig returns to the mud. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. So what you mean, pastor, that I can remarry? I will be worse off than before. And that's what I was saying, folks. We must be in this word, glory be to God, for ourselves to know the lie when we hear it. We must know when this pastor, whom we known for 35 years and would never lie to me, when he lies, you should stop him in his tracks and say, well, what about... Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. What about that, pastor? And watch they twist it. I guarantee you they will twist that. So listen, they put you back in the line of hell's fire for if they remarry. I can't say it enough today. If their first spouse is still alive, listen, Jesus says they commit adultery. That pastor is leading the way for them to commit the sin of adultery because of divorce and remarry. And that's the truth. Jesus, for the people in the back, will never authorize sin. Even though some say, but Jesus wants me to be happy. Jesus will never tell me to leave this marriage. Listen, I serve the Lord with all of my heart. I love God. I go to church. I'm a faithful tither. My husband is a Christian. I'm a Christian. And my kids are a Christian. We live out on a farm. We got great jobs. I got a wonderful hobby. My husband loves his stepchildren and I love his kids too. All of this blending of the family. Oh, we have a wonderful blended family. Look at the photos. Can't you see? Look, we're all dressing alike. We're all color coordinated. Don't we look happy now? Come here. I'm, I'm going to show you this picture of me and Bob. Look at this. Do we look happy here? Because see, Bob, who knew at this time of this photo, he was cheating on me. I didn't know it, but I knew something was wrong. That's why he looks guilty, and that's why I look bad. And then I found out he cheated on me, and I went to church, and I cried on my pastor's shoulder. I said, Pastor Flanagan, Bob cheated on me. What? Sheila, he did what? Yes, and I can't forgive him. I, I, I got to divorce him. You right. Because God called. Here we go with the twisting of the scripture. God calls us to live in peace. And you deserve to be happy. Happy. Because once God forgives you of that divorce, true, God hates divorce. Because see, that's the thing about false teachers and their false teachings. They give you a little bit of the truth. With a whole great big lie. Because see, Pastor Flanagan, 
is telling Sheila, yeah, God hates divorce, but God also wants you to uh, live in peace. So if you find in peace with Steve now, just ask God for forgiveness of that divorce. Go on and remarry and be happy and now serve the Lord with everything you got. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Flanagan. You right. And so Sheila hops herself up there on Facebook with all of this newfound freedom she got from Pastor Flanagan, not from Christ who delivered her out of sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But she's up there fighting with the likes of those of us by the glory and grace of God who got the memo about this topic, talking about how, oh, my pastor says that I do deserve happiness. Pastor Flanagan, when i known Pastor Flanagan for over 35 years, and he knows my whole situation. So I'm going with what the pastor say. Okay, well, Ezekiel 14.10 tells us that if we don't come out from these false prophets, that we too shall serve in their punishment. So you and, and Pastor Flanagan, what? Y'all going to be holding hands in the lake of fire? No, y'all both need to repent. We all need to repent. Amen. And so in closing, okay, because I think I have made the point absolutely clear. So here's the takeaway. I'm going to leave us with these scriptures and then I'm going to read all of 1 Corinthians 7. Okay, got your pens, got your papers. Because listen, the teachings of Jesus on this topic is clear because Mark 10 verses 1 through 12 teaches that what God has joined together through matrimony and the one flesh union, let no man put asunder. And then we have Matthew 5.32 that says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, cause her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, commit adultery. Matthew 19.9 teaches that if a man or woman divorces, and marries another, you commit adultery. And then we have Luke 16, 18, that teaches that anyone who divorces his or her wife or husband and marries another woman or, or man commits adultery. And the man or woman who marries a divorced woman or man commits adultery as well and then we have Romans 7 verses 1 through 3 know ye not brethren for I speak to them that know the law how that the law had dominion over a man as long as he liveth because see Paul is given the analogy in comparison to the law with the new covenant and with um, marry and divorce. Verse 2. For the woman which hath had a, uh, 
and husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Verse 3, amen. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, because that's the only way that marital vow is now fulfilled and complete. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Amen. So here we go. First Corinthians chapter seven, and this is the super close. And I'm going to let you all go because Paul is giving us here the instruction on marriage. Listen, listen, listen. Okay. Cause since nobody wants to pick up the Bible and actually read. So let's read together. Glory be to God. Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Now, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Verse 5, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet, each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Verse 8. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust, verse 10. But for those, but for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. But if she does leave him, let her remain single. This is verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 7. But if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him and the husband. 
The husband must not leave his wife. Now, I will speak to the rest of you. Though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. Verse 13, and if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him for the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children will not be holy, but now they are holy. Verse 15, but if the husband or wife, but if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is not is no longer bound to the other. Why? For God has called you to live in peace. Let me say that again. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in peace. That That is if the unbelieving spouse insists on leaving. Amen. Verse 16, don't you, real, don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives may be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. Amen. So let's go down to verse, let's come all the way down to verse 29. Let me see. No, no, no. Uh, verse 25, verse 25. And this is 1 Corinthians 7. And this is the super duper close. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I don't have a command from the Lord for them. But the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. And I will share it with you. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. See, that's what I'm saying about the pastors. Why are you directing people to leave marriages when the scriptures say, if you have a wife, do not seek. That means don't be going to the pastors. Don't be leaning on your own understanding. Don't be going to your daddy and your mama to find out how you should leave. It says, if you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. 
And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I am trying to spare you those problems. Verse 29. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, for this world as we know it, will soon pass away. Amen. I want, verse 32, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman, she has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin, but if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. Verse 38, so the person who marries his fiance does well. And the person who doesn't marry does even better. Listen, verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. And this goes for the men too, okay? But only if he loves the Lord Paul is saying that if you are a widow or a widower, if you choose to remarry, fine, but that person must be in the Lord. Amen. Verse 40, but in my opinion, Paul is saying it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I am giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. Amen. Glory be to God, for it is written, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 11, but he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you for this word today. Thank you for your awesome teaching. Thank you that we don't have to lean 
any longer on our own understanding that in everything we trust you. We go by your word. We go by the sound teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you sent to this world to save it, not to condemn it, condemn it. And Father, we in the ecclesia, the called out ones, the chosen one, we look forward to the coming of our Lord. Have mercy on us, Father. Give us grace. Give us more grace. Help us in our unbelief. Give us, give us, give us wisdom, Father, so that we can walk by faith and not by sight. At the end of the day, Father, we walk by the Spirit and not by this flesh. Glory be to your name, Father, and I pray that today's lesson and exhortation brought you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning. Turn to God in full obedience. Do not reject what Christ has done for us on our behalf at the cross. Until next time, Lord willing, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye